When it comes Bitch to twin stuff, like double tennis, other than that, like what what is a more twin activity or like sport that you could do? Being born together. Other, other I I think that <laughs> it's a I great activity for twins. I think that's a good activity. I think that is definitely a twin activity, but I don't think it qualifies as an answer for the question I'm trying to ask. What are you trying to ask then? Other than doubles tennis, like what what is like a more like twin thing you could possibly do? Riding t- and tandem bikes. Tandem bikes is hot. Tandem bikes. Beach volleyball. Beach volleyball. Ooh, yeah, that's doubles. So that I would say that makes I would sense. say dressing up and like going to school in the same outfit. That's dude. some like elementary school twin. Like, yeah. Dude, I was jealous of the of the identical twins. There's a set of identical twins in my elementary school, and like they could have definitely gotten away with just like being each other for the day. And I was, I was always just like, man, like me and Sam can't do that. Like we we look way too uh, unidentical. Like people would know. And Sam was always better than I mean in school. So like he could have taken my test for me and stuff. That'd be pretty dope. <laughs> Alright, John, what we got going on today? Well, I mean, we got a guest here with us, Hayden Milam. You, everybody knows Nut Life. He was not. <laughs> Can you do that? Can you do that? Yeah! Thank you. Thank you. American Yeah. And then it's like, why would you tweet that? <laughs> it's like super. <laughs> it's like, I didn't tweet that. <laughs> the, uh, the improv. Improvisational skills of Eric Andre. I, I, I wish I could have those. I think it's just the editing skills. No, I, think I, I don't think it's improv. I think it's just him they being. They do that for like forty minutes. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, so they, they, it's like they, an hour interview that they, he condenses into like a two-minute skit. Yeah. <laughs> Bird up. Bird up. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> oh man, but uh, I mean, as opposed when it comes to serious topics, um. Going into this podcast, I was thinking a lot um, about what to talk about, and um, I was, it was from a conversation I had with Kia, actually, just about time management, and just, like, an analysis of, like, how we spend our days and stuff, like, just how much time, like, goes to waste if you think about it every day, if you really quantify the minutes that we have every day awake, like, just, like, at the end of the day, like, I, I tracked it on, I think... It was Wednesday last week, and I spent, like, I think at least, like, it ended up being, like, three and a half hours of just, like, mindless, like, either scrolling on my phone or browsing Reddit and stuff, and it's crazy how, like, we don't really think about how much time we waste until we actually, uh, I mean, I, I, like, went out and, like, sought, sought out, like, how much time I was wasting a day and it's really eye-opening because like that's how much I'm doing every day like I know I'm definitely not the most productive person like especially in this college town but I know I'm not the least productive so I wonder like what how other people like spend their day like that like I don't know like what do you how much how much time do you guys think you lose per day just like scrolling on your phones or like you know like just mindless browsing and stuff like that <laughs> and how much of it could you justify though all right, no, that. I think that's the most. I, I want to, yeah, I w- because I, the the same day I played, um, I played Xbox, and I did not justify that as wasting my time because I was really just like exhausted from class. What is wasting time? Yeah, yeah. I, I was that specific person. I was exhausted from class, and 
I was just like, all right, I need to get a couple games of FIFA in and just kind of think about nothing. Like, I, I was able to justify that time. But, like, what are some other examples in your guys' life? Yeah, I mean, I think out of everyone sitting here, I definitely spend the most time <laughs> doing quote-unquote pointless things. I probably spend, like, two or three hours a day on video games after class, and then no, but it, I'll scroll, I'll watch YouTube for maybe two, three hours before <laughs> bed, which some people say excessive, but in the end of the day, I get what I need to get done during mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. Like, when I'm on campus during the day, I am working. I'm, there's not a lot of games while I'm playing or yeah. while I'm at school, but as soon as I come home, if, I'm, if I've accomplished everything for the day, I see no downsides of me sitting around and watching YouTube and playing video games because that's how I like to decompress and mm. spend my downtime. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I think that... I feel like video games definitely get the big stigma. Like, and, I mean, the video games that you have, like, we have nowadays, like, I, I, don't, I don't think you're wasting your time a whole lot too much. Like, the video games we have now, like, you got... There's decision-making involved, and there, there's skills. Like, you're usually playing games that have, like, big tournaments and big followings, too. Like, I noticed on your computer. Like, there's a reason why a bunch of people were playing those games. Like, it's not, like, just, you know, like, back in the day, like, you know, the old ping and pong type video <laughs> games. Like, there, there's thinking involved, you know? And so, I feel like it's not... When you... I, I'm trying to justify it for you, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, but, like... I feel like it's just I'm important trying, to think of it like a, a metric... Mm-hmm. And he uses it as like what he called time to decompress, and I feel like the reason why that's even in like you have to try to justify that in the first place is that like people are continuously think that they have to do more every single day, mm-hmm. and when it comes to time management, time management doesn't necessarily mean do more all like I'm not doing enough all the time. you don't want to feel make yourself feel inadequate because you did what you needed to do today, and you want to don't want to feel bad about doing something that helps you feel like you're relaxing, Mm -hmm. you know? I think that you need to find a healthy medium between enjoying, you know, slacking off and doing what you need to do every day, you know, just be intentional about it. Yeah, absolutely. Voices have a good time. So, how many hours are you, like, putting in with the books these days? Yeah, not many, honestly. I probably read, I have like daily reading goals, mm-hmm. for instance. Like, I'm doing like a note card thing this week. And yeah. I'll just read, like at the beginning of every week, I set a schedule, an intention. Like, what are the things that you're going to do this week? What are mm-hmm. the things, major dates you need to keep in common, like in your head, just as a reminder? And then what habits are you going to try to do every day this week in order to help you not only accomplish those things, but accomplish longer term goals. Mm-hmm. So things like, like reading and exercise and meditating, those are things that I want to implement every day in my life, but that they can vary on time scales given what I have to accomplish that week. It doesn't necessarily mean that those things always need to be like this long or that long. Mm-hmm. It's just that they help facilitate those goals, so I ought to you know, consider them as important as I like, put together my day or put together my week. Mm-hmm. I think that just st- that kind of structure is what's important. It's not necessarily what is inside of the structure. It's just that, that there's some kind of system in place in the, so that you can understand what's going right and wrong in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, and then for like, so for people who just like definitely aren't uh, like along, as far along, I should say, on that kind of organizational path, like 
in what ways like would a person like myself probably like start to make those improvements like I guess yeah, yeah, other than other than what you said about you know like the the um, weekly scheduling kind of like organizing your thoughts and putting it actually down on the paper but like what what other steps other than that could you even go like well I was gonna say I think I'm kind of like a happy medium between that for example mm-hmm. I know Keontae has been telling me for the last what, two years ways to be more productive and by no means do I ever want to be to the point where he's at. This man will spend countless hours in the library doing all kinds of things. But I think there is a point where usually the four to five hours a day that I'm on campus spending doing work or trying to be productive, it is very organized. Like You try to keep yourself on a schedule for that, whereas the rest of my day tends to be a little less organized. So I think that's definitely like an easy way to start is pick out when you want to be productive, like nice four hours. You want to be productive for four hours? Yeah. Schedule out what you want to do in those four hours and accomplish those goals. Mm-hmm. You don't have to achieve your entire week goals at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's real spot on in that you don't have to, the idea of being more efficient or being more productive in some way doesn't necessarily have to extend to a 24-hour time scale. Just aim for, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be productive in an hour. I want to be productive for 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to set a system of some sort, like no matter what time scale it's on, that I'm mm-hmm. gonna like, try here. So, I guess that's how you would start on a smaller scale. Yeah. But you know, and one thing that I've actually no, I so one thing that I have gotten good at when it comes to just like being like more productive overall this semester, especially, is like focus on. I've been focused on diet a whole lot this semester, and I gotta say, like when you're actively like eating healthy the minute you stray away from it, you feel it. Like, you feel it in your digestive system. And, like, like even today, like, for dinner before I came over here, I just had Gains yogurt, because we're going swimming later. What's Gains yogurt? Oh, Gains yogurt? <laughs> Greatest yogurt ever. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah. Brought, brought to you by Brett Buzzard, or trademarked by Brett Buzzard. Trademarked <laughs> It's, uh, it's the Greek yogurt cottage cheese, peanut butter, granola, and a banana, like all in like one big yogurt oh. thing in a big ass bowl. Uh, for, for the audience who doesn't know Brett, Brett is just a very big man, and that was his knowledge that he passed on to me and Key if we want to get bigger. Yeah. Eat, eat that. Some yogurt salad. Eat that and lift some weights. But um, yeah, so I had like that and then just pizza. So like nothing but dairy and coffee pretty much from them until now, and I'm just already, like, jacked up in the Tony area. Right. And, like, it's just amazing that, like, you... Well, it shouldn't be that amazing, honestly. I think people by now should have figured this one out, that, like, when you just eat better overall, you feel better overall, and when you're feeling better overall, you can get so much more done. Like, I, I've even found, like, like, you know this semester I've been trying to read more. Even just reading is easier. It's, like... It's less daunting of a task too. Whenever you're just feeling not cruddy all the time. Right. But no, like, I definitely see what mm-hmm. you're saying. I know, like Gunnar always talks about when he's eating pasta or ramen, stuff, mm-hmm. it's, you can he could feel a difference in regards versus veggies, like chicken or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, most of the time, I feel like mm-hmm. I overindulge in the things that aren't um, as healthy for me, just because they satisfy my taste better. Mm-hmm. But um, and that's like easier and like like 
um, just to like overindulge on things that are bad for you, mm-hmm. which I guess can slow like slow down as from what we're talking about your pro- productivity. But when I when I eat those like portion meals, like the other week I meal prepped a bunch of chicken and I put it with rice, and I would just eat like. I would have this, I had this big Tupperware thing. It would probably be better to portion it out into different Tupperwares, but I didn't have like 10 for, mm-hmm. or 7 for the week or whatever. But I would, I would just eat like a little bit out of that every day, and then I would go do my thing. And I like, just I, like not eating till you're full has been like the best, like, oh my the, the best yeah. rule. That, <laughs> just like kind of pacing myself, because when I, when I don't, there's like that, like, is like I'm satisfied and I'm done, and then like like you take five more scoops and then you feel full. Like that's when I find myself being lazy and not as productive after mm-hmm. that. Versus when I like find when I eat till I am like satisfied and like I know that's like all I need. Mm-hmm. Like I can rip on anything. I can like go for a run after. I can sit at a computer and not feel like sluggish or anything. Uh, because when I feel that way, I feel like my mind acts that way too. So if I if my body feels sluggish, like I'll notice my workflow like when I'm editing or something mm-hmm. is slower. My biggest thing has been like I've like I've done a very good job of like some nights I'm per, some nights I slip up but like just the not eating after like nine o'clock or so like because when you're eating it like once you eat right before you go to bed like you feel it when you wake up you you feel gross the gross starts your day like sure. so I found not necessarily intermittent fasting but like if you just don't snack a whole bunch before you go to bed like wake up feeling lighter. That first cup of coffee, if you're a coffee drinker, hits you just super hard. You're ready to start your day. <laughs> coffee on an empty stomach. Ooh, let me tell you. But, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess, yeah, just feeling lighter. I, I, def, I just agree with that so much. Not eating until you're full, like, really helps with the just feeling better overall. You feel better overall. You do more things. Mm-hmm. Do more things feel better just it, it's a it's a it's a cog in the productive machine you know? yeah just like coming back to like not doing things in like excess like what we were talking about mm-hmm. um with like the productivity and like what is wasting your time and stuff like that and like the downtime that Hayden was talking about if like you're doing everything like max like too much that's probably not good like you should portion everything like eating like doing like yeah. your topics and stuff like that that's a, so that's a good way to end that question it's just like yeah. ask yourself what are your extra five scoops? Yeah. Try to eliminate your five scoops, you know, in those, in those categories. Your five scoops are that extra hour you spend on video games, your five scoops are that extra actual scoops of food, or yeah. whatever. Just like, figure out what's your five scoops and, and get those out of here. <laughs> you can save it for later. It's yeah. still going to be there. Give us yeah. another question. All right. So, like, um, yeah, moving on. Next topic. Uh, <laughs> what other else, like, or, excuse me, what else, like, other than like maybe like a product or a service is becoming more obsolete in like just our culture. Like what what's something I guess more better question for that would be what's up and coming right now? I feel like that's a different question. What's, yeah. up, what's on the rise and what's what? on the fall? Yeah, yeah. we try to see what what's on the rise or what's on the fall is what are we answering here? Okay. We can answer both. Right. For I mean the answer to the one could answer why something is on the flip side on the fall or on the rise. Yeah, I mean, you said no products, but I'm going to say product anyways. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, anything, I like, that. anything that you can buy online that you used to have to go out and get has been on the rise for the last five years. I mean, Amazon's kind of dominating that market, but even... They, they just surpassed Walmart in mm-hmm. sales for the first time. Cable, right? TV, 
everything like that is kind of becoming obsolete. If you watch two shows and you know they're both on Hulu, you no longer have to pay $25 a month for cable and you can pay $5 a month for Hulu and get a bunch of shows anyways. Mm. Like I know my family, for example, we've gotten rid of cable altogether and we just have Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime Video, which is roughly about $20 a month between all of them because yeah. I have student discounts and my mom also has student discounts. <clears throat> and we have, we don't have as much quantity as we would as cable, but still have we, have, TV. we have a wider variety as yeah. well. We have movies now, documentaries. You still have tons enough of TV shows. to watch that you have too many things to watch also. Yes. Like, there, there's still no lack of choices amongst, like, those services that you mm-hmm. pay for despite the fact that you don't have cable. Most if definitely. anything, those services provide you more options than mm-hmm. whatever the regular 75 to 100 channels you would get with cable gives you anyway. Yeah. The only area I think that's not dominated is still, like, sports. Sports? Sporting events are still pretty, like... So true, yeah. Uh, I, I, I still got my links. I still got my streams. <laughs> yeah, that's... I'm calling you out, Reddit. I know you're fucking outlawing <laughs> soccer streaming services. Dude, we're, we're still going. We don't need you. Well, actually, most sporting events, you can just get on free local television. <laughs> Boom. Whoa. Not <laughs> yeah, European not, soccer. Not soccer, though. Not European soccer. But most, like, big sporting events, that's, I think that's probably one of the only things. That and the news is really the only things that cable still has, has on top. Bro, news is only a thing because of old people. But That's Twitter, the thing. But even news is kind of becoming obsolete. I mean, I have Facebook. Between Facebook and Twitter, I can tell you pretty much anything that's going on in the news. Mm-hmm. If you, and if you don't want the news, you just don't follow those people, and it's... Yeah. Customizable Choke. news. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can follow the news stations on social media, and mm-hmm. I, I guarantee they're posting the same content as they oh, would yeah. probably say on their like their normal regularly talk shows, mm-hmm. scheduled talk shows. Yeah, I, I, don't, I just I can't stand the news. I think the news is one of the biggest reasons why TV is just because like you, nobody's happy when they watch the news. What's on the fall? <laughs> nobody is happy when they watch the news. Like my I when I remember I was home for winter break. I was like getting into arguments with my mom and my dad because like they would just they they would see what Trump what the early at least what the news was saying Trump did today. Sometimes it was like you know Trump actually being an asshole. Like some days it was basically just like he sneezed and CNN needed some stories, you know. And so like <laughs> I'm just like and my parents would get emotional about Wait. it, and I'm just like it's. I'm like, guys, you know you can just not get emotional yeah. about it by not watching well, your it? Parents you are the, real fortunate your parents are the reason that news is still relevant because... That's the problem. I'm, oh, I'm saying you're the problem. Positive things don't usually yeah, don't invoke sell. nearly as much emotion as a negative Fact. story. Fact. If you want people to watch and talk about your news, talk about something bad. Get them mm-hmm. upset. Get controversy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's exactly what I would tell them every day. I was like, you know, we're, we'll get more, more joy out of the family. If we sit here, if you insist on having the TV on, we can sit here and watch Wheel of Fortune instead. Like, <laughs> way better of a time. Like, nobody, nobody's disagreeing on that show. Right. People are just trying to have a good time, win some money. Mm-hmm. I don't see, I, I just, that's one of the things that just gets to me. Is, but it, it's also, it's, 
crazy to think like what's gonna happen when because I mean my parents are you know baby boomer generation so what's gonna happen to the news whenever and just television in general you know we're getting to that point like where Pete like more old people I guess watch the news but like our generation we just kind of proved that like not only news we just don't really watch TV in general hmm. like so like what so do you think like I mean, I guess TV's always going to be around, but like... I think it's like kind of like newspaper. Mm-hmm. I mean, newspaper became pretty obsolete once TV came around, and I think everything's going to kind of go in waves like that. Yeah. What do you think? So... Think news is going to get replaced with something else, just like newspaper was replaced by television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... But like, what do you think... Um, do you think there's going to be like more stuff on the internet? So like, basically, you think Twitter is going to get bigger because of this? Like... Twitter is going to become an even more followed news source, which, because to me, that's kind of, like, scary if a little bit, like, even if we're losing, like, news on TV, which kind of sucks to begin with, I don't know if I like the idea of it all going to social media, because we've already seen so far that, like, it's pretty easy to get um, miscommunicated, like, what's going on, and just, you know, fake news and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know, I think that that just... What comes with that is a new type of literacy mm-hmm. to engage with the media. It's not necessarily that, you know, because everything is available on a type of platform that it's inherently bad or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just you need to educate your populace on how to engage with that platform. Now. Yes. I was going to say kind of that same thing happened with newspaper and TV. Once the TV began covering a lot of political events going on, we recognized that the way a president speaks and how eloquently he can put his thoughts to words became so much more relevant. It used to be able, they used to be able to come up with a thought and write it and put it on newspaper. And then once they had to start doing those things live, people realized that we needed these people to actually be well-spoken and they kind of had to develop this new kind of literacy that met what the public's needs were. And I think that's kind of how social media is going to go as well. I think, I think memes are a big deal. I think memes are going to decide presidents now. Memes on the rise? Is that... Dude, <laughs> John, John Carroll, memes on the rise. <laughs> memes? Oh, I mean, right memes down. definitely aren't on the decline. Like memes on right. the rise. <laughs> Me, they kind of have to be. Like, it's, there's... You cannot show me evidence that memes are not going anywhere. Like, I mean... I, I think they're going to keep deciding our presidents, honestly. I feel like memes have always just been a thing. It's like in the newspaper, like with um, like the cartoon sketches and stuff like that. Those are like pretty mm-hmm. much memes. Oh, like, absolutely. I guess if you think about it, like, like uh, block, 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 block. Like all like almost little memes just telling a story. Well, yeah, I mean memes, What what is a meme? A meme is just something that um, kind of like... Well, translates a message, you know? Like right. they, it's just a... Like he, a actually, he's read something okay. on this. We, we, <laughs> talk, well, we talked about this before. I remember talking about this in uh, the fucking computer lab on the third floor of the Cub. Like, yeah. and it was a deep talk, too. Yeah, the term was originally invented by a guy named Richard Dawkins, who's an evolutionary biologist, and he created it in order to make an analogy <clears throat> between you know, genetic evolution and the evolution of culture. So memes are the bit mm-hmm. of information that facilitates the evolution of culture. So you can think about memes that stick. If you thought about, you know, uh, a, like what natural selection does, mm-hmm. the memes, the the fittest memes are the ones that survive. The 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 information that is most valuable 
that people latch onto. Mm. That's the information that gets passed down to the next generation. So memes that are tweeted or that so the Drake, brought out to a lot the, the Drake people. the Drake looking away and then the thumbs up meme that would have been a pro- positive gene that's getting passed on sure sure on a, on a micro scale <laughs> that's what memes do yeah but on a, a macro scale like memes that get passed down in the form of information are things like Newtonian physics like the laws you know mm-hmm. information like that those are inherently valuable and they get spread. They're very spreadable because they're they're practically of some use or something for whatever yeah. reason that they are. But when it comes to, like the same rules apply when we think about cartoon memes and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just things of em- entertainment value. Those things get passed on because they are the most spreadable. You know, mm-hmm. the memes that aren't die off and we never see them. Yeah. Speaking of things that are going obsolete, the NFL. The NFL. <laughs> oh, the NFL this. is going to be obsolete. Yeah. Bold. Ooh, bold prediction. Not not anytime soon, but it's definitely on the downfall. I think people are starting to get fed up with football. I think people are as well. Do you think that's because it doesn't feel like a competition anymore? Yes. I think it's kind of how basketball is to an extent. I think people don't want to watch the same two teams go at it in the end of the season every year. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people stop watching basketball because we've seen the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals for the last four years in a row, five years in a row. Mm-hmm. Who wants to watch the same team win every year? Dude, that, that's why uh, Kraft got arrested in Miami. Dude, that, that was a sting operation. Goodell setting him up. Goodell, Goodell knows he can't, beat, he can't beat Tom and the boys, and so he's going after their owner now. It, it, I'm, just, I'm just a guy who connects the dots, you know? I'm just, I think that he... We all know Goodell is a clown who can't do his job, and so they're just... He's going. He's going after um, the Patriots owner at at the expense. Well, not the expense. Well, at the expense of Tom Brady and the rest of the, the New England Patriots because they the other NFL you know owners can't find a way to compete with the Patriots and so they're you know having Goodell do their dirty work for them. So I don't know. I mean, seems all a little bit fishy to me. Seems pretty convenient that he gets arrested after his sixth Super Bowl win. It's a few Illuminati triangle. <laughs> <laughs> that's your. That's your. That was, uh, that was, that was John Carroll's conspiracy of the night, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, 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 Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I. I want to keep going. Why? Why is the NFL going to be obsolete? Oh my God. I, already, I already covered it. Next <laughs> question. Uh, Next more, question. More. Okay. 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 Give him that. Give him that one. Okay. So. Yeah, All right. What? What's something that somebody here knows about? That the rest of us don't. That the world needs to know. Like and you get, what? and you get one minute to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I like that rule. I no like chances allowed. One minute to talk about it. I don't know. Pick you something know. you you know the most about. No, you know no. you know more than all of us. You got you got you got to pick Gunner. Uh, Gunner, yeah, you have to talk. Absolutely. Gunner, not. Gunner knows something Gunner, that he feels some... like everyone needs to know. That's important. I know nothing. Yeah. I know one nothing minute. that everyone needs to know. <laughs> That. Talk about videography. <laughs> I'm sure you know something about videography that none of us know. That the world needs to know? Yeah. Well, what, what's, what's up and coming that the average person like us yeah. wouldn't know? Yeah. Like, that's your world. That's not our world. Yeah. Are we well, not you ready talk for about, it? You talk about YouTube or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't think I have anything of substance that we can talk about. Revisit, that revisit. John Carroll. <laughs> um... Yeah. Well, you know, dude, uh, did you catch the 
um, the cup final for um, the Carabao Cup. It was Chelsea versus Man City. And the Chelsea coach is, he, literally Chelsea right now is such a shit show that he tried to sub off his starting goalie because the backup has, like, just a better history of saving penalties because they knew he was going to PKs. And the goalie just refused to be subbed off the field. And he was getting into a screaming match with the coach from the field, basically saying he's not coming off. And then the Chelsea coach almost just walked out of the stadium. And I'm just wondering, like, if I was in that dude's position at this point, like, with all the shit he's had to put up with and just getting thrashed 6-0 by Man City in the league, like, not even a week and a half ago, and then losing them in penalties when you had a better goalie to save penalties who has a better, better stats against penalties than the goalie you had on the field, and that goalie is being too much of just a terrible, like, teammate, just... I'm just happy there. Mm. Where, what's where the message? Where does this extend to everybody? Huh? What, what's the message? Dude, like, what... Like, basically, what it comes down to is just athletes these days are, like... Are their egos getting bigger? Or, like, can athletes get away with more than, like, what they used to be able to get away with? Because mm-hmm. I feel like... I feel like in the 80s, like... Let's say Magic Johnson tried to do that shit. I bet you he would have been coached... Or, yeah, benched immediately. And... Like, it probably wouldn't have been that much of a media field day because, like, that's just, like, you're being put in your place. That makes sense. But, like, with these pl- with players nowadays being so astronomically expensive and their personal brands and just names being so valuable to the, the teams that they're a part of, like, are the players now bigger than the actual teams they represent? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I like that, job. I feel like we discussed like something of the sort the last time in the last podcast and that it's almost like it's on TV because it's it's a show like mm, yeah. the people are putting on oh, yeah. for themselves and not as much for the team like they have they have their contracts with their team they're getting paid you know what I mean they're, they're, they're not as concerned about winning as they are like um like kind of just making a face for themselves yeah because I mean even the best the best player on any NBA team, even if that NBA team is the worst <clears throat> team in the league, is still probably making at least ten to fifteen million dollars a season. Oh, like at the end of the day, like if they had a losing season, they didn't have a losing season financially, you know. And that there's always that room to like get traded and stuff, and it's just I I don't know. I think it takes away from the value of the sports, but like we're digressing again. Yeah. <laughs> sports man. Sports. It's a show. Sports. Sports. Sports, sports, sports a is a show. Sports is a show. That's what we're extent. at now. To an extent. I think that should That's be your the message. message you the message, John. The message. Mm, I I don't know. I think there's more there than just that. But we can we can keep moving on. Um, is there anything? What was the question again? Huh? What was the question? Something again? you let, know let, more about. Let me get into this. Me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. So. <laughs> I have been applying to law school for the last seven months, and there's one thing that I didn't realize going into this process that I now realized, and I think everyone should know, and is that if you want to go to law school, you cannot be poor. Well, I shouldn't say you can't be poor, but if you're a middle-class citizen, you are substantially, your chances of having the money to apply is substantially less. Mm -hmm. For example, I just finished all my applications, and I've spent 
a little bit less than $1,000 just applying to these schools. $1,000 to maybe go to law school. $1,000 to try to go to law school. The only ways this works is if you are very wealthy and you can afford, which thankfully my family is in a pretty good place and we could afford to spend $1,000 to send me to school, but if we weren't in that place, I wouldn't be able to even apply to law school or you have to be very poor because then you can get government assistance to apply for these things. So I think my short message is just, I think school in general, but specifically law school is like, I've recognized how it's this, it's it's, it almost seems like they're trying to weed out people that can't afford to go to law school. They either want mm. really smart, poor people or average wealthy people. Mm. That's, that's kind of the way I see it now. I could be wrong. <clears throat> I haven't actually gone to law school, but just through the application process, that's what it seems like to me. Mm-hmm. No, it's certainly a good point. I've been going through application processes and I, you know, I see similar things. Sometimes like application fees for larger, better schools too are higher mm-hmm. because like, say it's not going to really matter if an application fee is $75 for, like, for instance, UPenn because if one, if you're very smart, then they're probably going to cover your $75 application fee. Or two, if you're very affluent, then you don't care about a $75 yeah. <laughs> application mm-hmm. fee. You know? yeah. so where does that leave people mm-hmm. in the middle ground that you know, yeah. aren't necessarily you know, struggling for the dollars but yeah. aren't you know, bowling out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the point I was going to. I mean, I know, like, for example, I, I've applied to six law schools, and five of the six waived my application fee because my credentials and my academic standing is high enough that they want me to apply to their school. So mm-hmm. if you're smart enough to go to their school and you'll look good in their statistics, they'll kind of incentivize you to apply to their program. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, well, that that's good mm-hmm. at least. It, what is it just like since you have it, but like at least a three oh three two five something um, like that? Depending on the school. I mean, obviously like... Or is it like LSAT if you scored certain, like score on the LSAT too? It's, yeah, like I said, it's... it's usually means-based and academic, or yeah, like academic-based, but I mean, it varies on the school. If you're gonna apply to an Ivy League school, obviously your chances of getting that fee waived, unless you're a 4.0 perfect score on the LSAT student, I feel like would be substantially less than if you're applying to a much lower-ranked school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, so what schools have you applied to so far? Oh, uh, University of Baltimore, <coughs> Widener, Delaware Law School, Drexel University, Rutgers Law School, Seton Hall Law School, and American University Law School. What's the first choice out of all this? That's a tough question. Mm -hmm. I think they all offer different things. Purely based off of academics, probably going to be between Rutgers or Seton Hall. I think some law schools are very expensive. American University has a fantastic program. But it's also seventy-two to seventy-five thousand dollars a year. So I mean, I could be going to a good program, but I'm going to be putting myself in half a million dollars of debt by the time I'm done if I don't get a scholarship. That's purely based on academics. American is very high up there. That'd be some cash money. I think it's hard to determine what my top choice is right now because I don't. I haven't heard back from anyone. I haven't heard if I've received any scholarships. Mm. So I think once you account and. They say school is an investment in yourself, but to an extent, I think you have to make it a good investment in yourself. If you want to invest $250,000 to go to a barely top 50 program, 
kind of have to weigh that out. Do can yeah. I personally afford to make that investment in myself? Maybe others can, but I know mm-hmm. personally I can't afford to put myself in that kind of debt for a program. Yeah. Yeah, especially. I mean, it's not always about loca- location matters too. It's yeah. You know, maybe you really like the location. Mm-hmm. You've sp- no. spoken to some people at the school that just make you feel more comfortable in the academic environment. If you feel like you'll flourish in one place over another, then that's something that you're highly going to consider. You know, yeah. If they have the type of support systems you're looking for, maybe their libraries, 24 hours. I think there's <laughs> little things like that. Yeah, most definitely. I know yeah. that the American Library is 24 hours now, <laughs> five days a week. <clears throat> I wish that was something I would have thought about more, looking for colleges. 24-7 libraries. Mm, powerful. 24-7 facilities, like on college campuses, are just amazing. amazing. Yeah, I mean, all we have is dollars. They're not profitable, though. Not, no, definitely. That's, that's what I get you. In the end of the day, college, usually they're still a business in the end. they got to make some kind of money. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to run a library for 24 hours to have three kids sitting there for, like, six hours at a time, it's not, yeah, it's definitely... You're losing money because you're going to have to pay to keep the building open. You're well, pay to keep someone in there. clean. Yeah. Yep. Well, this campus... Sleeping kids. Yeah, this campus, the, the library is definitely not big enough. I mean, because we, we have Dawson, like, that's open, and on any given night at, like, 3 in the morning, there's, like, maybe a couple kids. There's definitely more compilers. Yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> and that's, I think that kind of goes to the point I was saying. I mean, the school recognizes that... They do need somewhere 24 hours, but it's not profitable to keep the library open. Mm-hmm. So it's cheaper to keep a small computer lab yeah. open 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, it keeps you, it keeps you warm while you're studying. Yeah. It facilitates the need. Uh, well, Gunner, what's your message? Do you think anything about you? You have plenty of time. Yeah, you have a lot of time to think about it. I was thinking about your question. Oh. <laughs> I was really just taking it in. Just taking it in. Yeah. Taking it in. Mm-hmm. Alright. What are some projects you're working on right now? Um, well, we got about like three minutes. Give me, give me some projects. Yeah. Well, I've been working on the vlog. Go vlog. Yeah. Upload. Upload. <laughs> Straight up. Like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. Ring that bell. Straight up. Ring the bell. <laughs> um, I've also been thinking about like starting a website where I can put my work in like a more professional way and like organize or like just to make it look more organized on a page like a lot of times people ask me um do you have a website or do you have a like i get asked the most business card yeah i get asked the most mm. for a business card and i don't have i've been asked oh there's been like <laughs> some really good opportunities where i could hand someone a business card that i just haven't had a business card yeah should probably get business cards with a website on it i'd like to like mm-hmm. direct people to a website with all my professional mm-hmm. work because if i just tell someone to go to my youtube channel um, like they'll see like the most recent vlog mm-hmm. I posted, and that's not like all the time what I want people most to see. Most reflective of the the work yeah. that you can do, mm-hmm. like, th- and that makes well. Also, owning your own website means that you have your own website. YouTube, because right now you're using YouTube as like you know your your sure, yeah. platform to show people what you can do. That's owned by YouTube, but like a website, that's completely you. That's yeah. all the traffic is yours. Like that's that's owned by nobody. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it would and be like an easy, mm-hmm. more organized way. Like obviously, YouTube has like organizational methods where like you can set up like playlists and stuff to see like the different types of work. You can like mm-hmm. organize it that way. But 
just more perfect. Well, it's more professional mm-hmm. looking, obviously. Well, especially when you get to the amount. I mean, how many how many videos do you have on your YouTube channel? What, two, three hundred now. Almost? Yeah, somewhere in between two and three hundred videos. So I mean, if you're someone brand new and you say check out my YouTube channel, Gunnar Michaels, and I see two hundred videos, I know personally, I probably wouldn't even know where to start. I'd click on your most recent one, which, in some cases, it is relevant. But if you're not like actively following the vlog, sometimes it might be a little off-putting because you just have no idea who these people are, mm-hmm. what they're doing, any of the jokes. Like, yeah. Whereas if you have a website, you can throw some of your bigger, like more generalized videos so people can see your work. And then if they really like your work, then they can kind of get invested into the vlog. I think it kind of separates the vlog from the, the creator side. Yeah. Obviously, they're combined in one, but when it comes down to the principle of it, the vlog is more entertainment and definitely it's almost like a TV show, like, whereas the website... You're focusing on this is my editing, this is my art, this is what I can mm-hmm. do. Something for a perspective, yes. collaborators. You know, they, they it it helps organize things mm-hmm. so that when someone who potentially wants to work with you or wants yeah. to be one of your clients, yeah. something like that, to say, well, this this is the best representation I'd like to give people. Definitely, and I feel like the website is move, moving more towards like what I like ultimately want to do with like. I don't want it to be like just a blog. I want like the Uplight brand to be more than just a blog, and um, like I want to want to have like like merch pieces, not merch, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um apparel. Yeah, apparel, collective pieces. Collective pieces. But yeah, ultimately it's gonna be a lot bigger. What I want it to be more than just um just a blog. But this mm-hmm. is I feel is a really key stepping stone that I just need to keep pushing and working at. Mm-hmm. And staying consistent with consistency. Consistency. Ultimate message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ultimate message. You don't take anything away from this video. Consistency is amazing. Thanks, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. I need to start this again. Are we mm-hmm. done? Uh, no, I was gonna. I was gonna have a good question. No, I was gonna have a good question to end this with. No, just to take us out. <laughs> we got plenty more episodes. <laughs> no, we we got forty minutes. We we can get to. That's uh, forty minutes. Yeah. One. Are we still going? Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got I got one more question for us. What what's something that we're what's something we're all working on right now? And like I asked Gunnar what projects he was working on, so now I wanna know what pro I want everybody to know what projects we're working on also. Oh, okay. Me per like I'll I got I'll go first. Like um like Gunnar knows how much I've wanted to start a podcast, so I'm just trying to do what I can do to like make this podcast super dope. And so honestly like you know, a lot of these first ones are still basically like trial runs and we're just going to keep trying new stuff each time probably. And I'm trying to come up with different topics. Like I have a note on my phone that's like, you know, kind of like an like omnipresent list. I'm kind of just always trying to, if I think of something, write it down and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess other than that, just um, do that Instagram page. Mm-hmm. I, I hate Instagram, but like uh-huh. I, I'm trying to grow the page because like it's just... It, it, it's good to have, you know. It's a good utility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you <laughs> on that. I guess that would be one of the things I've been doing. Is just been in order to practice writing since I haven't been publishing as much on the website. So I'm only trying to publish twice a month at mm-hmm. most. I've been writing a lot more on Instagram. Yeah. And I, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from that. And then I'm just you know preparing myself for. Uh, upcoming interviews for graduate school so I'm just trying to take in as much as I can about professors research mm-hmm. as well as just what it means to be an ideal candidate and how I can you know form myself to represent that in mm-hmm. for the interviews so that's that's definitely yeah 
you know, my last project for the last year has been applying to law school, and I like pretty much at the tail end of it. It's almost off my hands. I have three more applications well, to send out. Well, then the question then becomes, how's how's the journey? How how's the journey been? How's it feel that you're near the end? Ah, uh, it's relieving. <laughs> it's nice to sit around and not have to worry about studying for the LSATs or writing applications or writing a personal statement or getting letters of recommendation. At this Our man point, got in the 80th percentile. We, uh, I, want, I want the listeners to know that. Our man scored high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's nice. I'm at the tail end. It's pretty much all off my hands. So at this point, I'm not really working on anything. I'm working on, I'm working on myself. I'm playing lots of video games. I'm watching lots of TV. Did I know you're working on some geology. I'm just, I'm just chilling right now. I'm, I'm relaxing before I spend the next three years of my life working 40 hours a day at school trying to be a lawyer. The next three years of my life are going to be super intense, so I'm going to enjoy these next couple months, chill out, hopefully get into some law schools, and then get back on that grind for another three years. Boom. Boom. Podcast. I think that's it. Thanks for watching. Not thanks for watching, but thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned for the next, when the next one drops. Peace.